Hello, I'm Jeff Watts and welcome to a special edition of the Agile Pubcast. In this episode, I got in touch with somebody who I'd heard through a podcast of their own. As well as being the founder of OneStopDevShop.io, a full-stack software development software-as-a-service provider, Geordie Wardham also hosts the Big Break podcast, where he interviews a lot of successful people talking about how they came about getting their big break in whatever field they're in. And it was an interesting podcast. I thought, well, let's see if he'd like to have a chat with us. And he did. So... We didn't manage to get together. He's an American living in Europe. So this was a remote podcast. I was in my shed. Geordie was in his, somewhere in Scandinavia, I think. And Paul was in his kitchen. Uh, But we still managed to have a little drink and a chat about, first of all, remote working. Then we went on to talk about the keys to success around entrepreneurship, the key ingredients around genius, hard work, luck, discipline, resilience, and things like that. And it turned into a really interesting episode. We hope you like it. And our Patreon subscribers can get access to the video version of this by going to patreon.com slash the Agile Pubcast. And that's a nice opportunity for me to reach out and say thank you to two of our newest Patreon subscribers. Ashley Akbari from Swansea and Per Muller in Denmark. Cheers to you guys. really appreciate your support. And if anyone else would like to get in on the act, joining our Patreon support club... Uh, where you get access to a lot of other things, including videos of the episodes, unseen episodes, and even private episodes where just patrons will take part, then get on over to patreon.com forward slash the Agile Pubcast. If that's not your thing, that's absolutely fine. We'll just put a little request out for some extra subscribes and some extra reviews, some five-star reviews if you think we're worth it. It'll help us reach more people. Enough of the begging, on to the chatting. Play the jingle. Hey everybody, uh, this is uh, this is a, a cool new little thing that we're trying. Um, I stumbled across another podcast that I really quite liked, um, and I got in touch with the guy that runs it and asked him if he wanted to come and have a chat with us on our podcast. Um, he's not based in the UK, so this is a virtual slash remote um, podcast. And we decided to double down on that as well because me and Paul aren't even together. So I'm in my shed, Geordie's in his shed, and Paul's in his kitchen. Yeah. Um, I'm. I am. Even though I'm not in a pub, I am going to have a drink. Good. <laughs> Excellent. One of I'm us have is, a whiskey. Right? <laughs> that's what I've got in my shed. It's a whiskey. Paul, are you going to have a cup of coffee or something? Yeah, I've got a coffee on the go. Jordan, you got a glass of water or something? I don't, unfortunately, and I'd have to leave, but I won't do that to you. That's all right. So, okay, well, I'm I'm drinking a a glass of Fire and Cane from Glenfiddich, a Scotch whiskey, which is a bit smoky because I I have a little fire in my shed and it's nice and smoky. So, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Jordan. Okay, so uh, I've mentioned the fact that I heard your podcast, Jordan, the Big Break podcast. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh, so I have, um, as Jeff kindly mentioned, a podcast called the Big Break Software Podcast. And um, I have a team of developers, about 45 and growing. Uh, and we are big into Scrum and Agile methodologies. Um, although 
mostly my developers handle that side and I w was curious about scrum myself so um, I've been looking on your site and wanting to learn more about you know agile methodologies um, and as part of that I also have my own software as a service to companies well they're not companies they're services um, and uh, obviously we do daily stand-ups um, and sprints to get uh, products or um, features uh, published on, into the products and um, we've been finding it hugely uh, important but also challenges because we're doing this all remote mm. so we don't have the advantage of standing in a boardroom and uh, you know doing face-to-face -face. so there's some challenges with that yeah see and there's there's a good example already of how we don't need to script it because these things just these things just come out so we're remote here this is yeah we, we, this is a big topic in agile is remote distributed teams yeah uh, where people aren't all together now you're as i understand it your your team is together but you're not necessarily yes. with the client. and that is, is that huge right? yeah that's huge so i have the advantage that they all go into the office so um uh, they're based out of India, uh, and so I went to meet them, and I go and I go and meet them when I can. You know, India is obviously far from Europe, um, but but uh, so I have one. I have two guys that I deal with on a daily basis that we run it as a sort of small team to make sure the other projects are going well, and they are essentially the scrum masters. But I don't know how how um, rigidly they're following any. Um, you know, protocols for, for being, uh, you know, like real scrum masters. So this is why I'm also curious about, uh, um, you know, what you find is the most important elements of being a scrum master, who should be it, how many should there be, all that sort of thing. Well, what, where, where, what, kind of, what kind of products or services are your guys delivering? What, what domains and industries are you in? Where, where so are it's, all, it's all software development. Uh, we do Microsoft uh, technologies. Um, so most of, the, most of the, the projects that we're involved in are sort of building MVPs. Mm -hmm. um, so we usually have uh, between two and maybe five developers working on an MVP at a time. Um, and uh, um, it works well. And so we've been working together for about two years. Uh, and, and as a team, we're, we're slowly figuring out how the best ways to work um, with each other. Um, so, but like, what have, you, what have you found so far? What, what's come up? Like challenges? Yeah, well, and the best ways to work together. What, what have you found? So definitely the daily standups has been really good uh, and keeping them short because if you make them too long, uh, they, you know, the, people dread them. So mm. we're like, okay, so we, and we do them at the same time. So for me, it's seven in the morning, uh, basically the, the way I open the day. Uh, and Paul would be asleep at that time of day. Paul would be yeah. seven in the morning. There's only one seven o'clock in there in every day and that's the one in the evening. Don't do seven <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, yeah, so that but I'm a morning person, so so the seven is like you know. Me too. Yeah, um, but it's it's been. Uh, Would your clients be involved in that? No, the, the, we have weekly client meetings, um, okay. and with that, there's sort of more progress, uh, sort of progress. So, and the reason I like that, we've tried both ways, um, mm -hmm. but I think that 
having that weekly meeting sets a, sets a sort of deadline. Like we better have something to show the client. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've found that has been really helpful. Um, so if someone's asleep at the wheel, that's, you know, we're like scrambling on Tuesday. Like what are we showing the client tomorrow? You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it always works out because, you know, yeah. we're, we're having daily standups and I'm checking on that every, every day to make sure that, okay, what's the, you know, the status of this, what's the status of this status of this. Okay. Um, yeah. So you kind of, you're, you're sort of almost representing the client, if you like that. That's yeah, I, I am because I'm sort of the sales lead, I guess. Um, yeah. well, and it's because, um, uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, I guess I'm the sales lead. It's since it's my company, you know, I'm the yeah. founder. Okay, cool. What kind of tools do you use for the, the stand-ups, Jordy? In terms uh, so we use, um, we use Slack, uh, okay. which has been really good. And, and we can have, pro- we can divide the projects up uh, in Slack into the different Slack channels. So we can have different teams. Um, it's a great tool for that. We use, we use uh, Skype. Um, as well, so we can have group calls between the different members. Yeah, and um, uh, and Jira, you guys are probably familiar with Jira. Yeah, it, it's it's, one of the, it's, it's a I'm little bit like the face. coronavirus. It, it's, it's <laughs> oh, you don't like control. it, really? Do you <laughs> like it? That's that, what's more important is: do you and your team like it? We actually do like it. Um, we were using Trello as well, and Trello was really hard to manage. It was messy. Okay. Um, and and it was just messy because it was hard to it's i think maybe okay for a smaller project but jira we find we find to be it's i think it's it if you understand it that you can understand a project quickly it's um but uh i mean what, like with any tool really it can get it can get out of control but if it stays if you've got control over it then it's it yeah could be really useful well tell me what tools do you guys what tools do you like uh, for a remote team, let I me mean, we'll, well stay in my world. That's a fair um, question. Well, we yeah, use we, so the tool that we're using now. So we try and get as much face to face. I mean, these we're, we're using Zoom now, right? So this, um, I'm not sure how old Zoom is, but it seems to me like um, a, one of the newer video conferencing tools that you can use. And obviously, you yeah. can record these things as well. That you, yeah. I'm going to sound. Me and Jeff came from a telecoms company where this this type of technology in uh, 15 years, 20 years ago, wasn't, wasn't available. <laughs> so yeah. you had to, we had to work a lot harder to, to get online and to get um, face-to-face with people. So I think there's a lot more face-to-face tools that you can use now that actually like, like Skype and like WebEx and like Google Hangouts and all these things that make the virtual nature of, of team working a lot less virtual, a lot more real. So I think yeah. anything like that that we use is always going to be a benefit because you just get to see people's faces and yeah. and you can and the the, the speed of the internet and, and the, the connection speed these days is much better than it ever has been so you yeah. can you can fairly quickly fire these things up and have a conversation on the other side of the world so that's that's the main thing i think yeah but, but i mean in terms of managing the project though you're not us- using zoom like you know let's imagine like oh no 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 yeah no. sticky notes concept you know moving sticky notes around and things are there tools that you guys use for that you've mentioned some of the ones that i I use so i've just been using um i've I've been the product owner for my own book project which i had collaborators on from all around the world yeah Um, my my editor is in one country my designer's in another my illustrator's in another 
uh, my reviewers are in other countries. So we use the suite of tools to do that. We, we use Trello yeah. uh, and Slack. Those two have the integrations there so yeah. has, and, and Dropbox and Google Drive. Okay. So those, those are the four tools that we used to, to manage the backlog, to manage the progress, to have um, sort of smaller group conversations and collaborations within the Slack yeah. channels. Uh, and then Zoom to add that that richness to the conversation and to capture the you know what what we've done that sprint if you like in the, in the sprint reviews. So you feel the video on like this is a is is a crucial element having the video on and having video call. We're a big fan of being able to see the whites of people's eyes. Yeah, I, I think just it's it's a bit a little bit like um having a constant view even though having a connection open. I mean, in several offices that I used to work in, they'd have um, a, a, just a constant Skype connection open just into the, the kind of team space so you can see people walking around. You can see there's life in another part of the organization or there's, there's um, people genuinely milling around an office. Um, I think as much of that as you can have, I think is always going to be a, a good thing to see people moving around, even if, even if you're not talking to them directly. Yeah. You can almost tap and you know, knock the virtual screen and, and, um, and get someone's attention, that type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I can't remember I, the name of the tool, but there was there was a cool tool I came across a couple of years ago with with Lego bricks on the wall. Um, so you had a wall with it was those big base plates covered the Lego base plates covered the wall. Yeah, and each block represented something different. So I think it was the the, the shape of the block represented the the uh, the size of the work, and the color of the block represented the person. Uh, yeah. um, and so on and you took a picture through the app and that automatically updated the board uh in in like a web web-based client so you could replicate that online and physically um, mm. because as well as the the virtual the the, the face-to-face virtual thing one of the things that we've found just seems to be a big thing for teams and it'd be interesting whether your your co-located team finds this as well is that is the tactile nature of being able to move a sticky note or move a lego brick or rip up a card not just click close on jira yeah or trello but um, you're, you're you're sort of moving things around in trello though aren't you because you've got the columns yeah yeah and it's a it's a digital replication of it it would just yeah i i still like having those i've yeah. and I, I i can't get this on there but i've got so I've got a Trello board that I work with today. I've got a list of things that I'm working with today, but I've also written those things out on post-it notes on my desk in front of me. Really? I can't okay. the camera to show you, but I, I've got one here that says Geordie recordings. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's, Good. I, I, it's duplication, but I like yeah. being able to you like it. That yeah, up yeah. and stick it in the fire when I'm done. Yeah. The other thing I think, which is an important psychological <laughs> aspect in, in an office environment, and we, I was just talking about this just yesterday in a class I, I just finished yesterday, but is you have a physical task board in an office or a, a team space. People see you stand up and they see you walk over to that board, even maybe subconsciously, but they see you pick up a task and they see you move it. That, that's demonstrating something's changing, something's making progress, something's done, something's yeah. blocked. And that's a it's a physical commitment that that team member is making to the rest of their team for them to see. People don't see that, I don't think, if you open up a, a screen on, on your laptop and update your ticket in Jira or Trello, if you move it there, people don't really, people aren't seeing it physically as well as seeing yeah. it um, from an audit point of view. So I think there's a huge commitment level gain that you get yeah. by physically picking up a task 
putting your avatar on it or whatever it might be physically on the board mm -hmm. and moving it into a different column. It's, it's demonstrating I'm doing this work now or I've done this work now. Yeah, that makes sense. If cost was no issue for you, Jordy, would you, would you have your clients face to face with your dev team more often or would you prefer the distance? Well, it's not so cost. It's not cost. Um, I guess it would be cost like in terms of me hiring a team of 40 developers in Switzerland, uh, it would be, you know, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, over a million dollars or something, you know, as whereas but I also travel be... costs, right? And yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, I think it is if, um, if it were not, um, a, f a factor for me to have, um, you know, like it was, um, I, you know, that's a good question because I've always worked remote. So I am used to it and I'm used to some of the challenges, which is obviously, um, not having that face to face contact, but I'm also, um, looking for ways to improve it because I think it can be done and I'm um, I'm a big believer in having some FaceTime uh, yeah. so I'm flying over to see clients next week and it's a massive uh, cost for me but mm. uh, you know it's important to go and see clients and have face-to-face because -face I mean nothing can replace that you know you yeah. have to get to know your your who's on the other end of the line um, but, you know, having this video, I think, is a good idea for me. I, that's the, is we usually just do it without, uh, I don't even know what the guys look like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, that, and knowing a little implement. bit about them, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big thing. I, yeah. The, just, I think this, I, we're in the middle, so I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but at the moment, we're maybe the world's come to an end already with the coronavirus. But we are in the middle of this thing where, people are canceling flights and companies are yeah. saying to their people, you need to work from home and that's true. Don't shake hands and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is probably an overreaction, but it, it does beg the question of, you know, should we, are we in a position where we can cope with, with what has become a more distributed world mm. and perhaps some of the challenges of not being able to travel? What would make your, what would make your team, if they could ask for anything that would make them more productive, that what, what do you think they would ask for? Uh, well, see, they have the advantage of being able to work all together. So um, I think that I know that clients, a big objective, uh, objection that I need to work through when I'm finding projects to work on is, uh, are you willing to work with remote developers? Um, you know, and, and it, it depends. They, they, they have to have had a previous ex good experience mm. um, in that way or they're not open to it. And so if they haven't, uh, then it, you know, it's, it's almost like I, I can't even, I can't try and convince them that, Oh, listen, my team's great. And we can, uh, we can overcome challenges that you've had before because they're like, they're not open to it. So I have to, that's a challenge that I need. So, um, if I could, if I could deliver my services in Switzerland at the cost, same cost that, that I could do with my provider, my vendors in India, you know, I'd be the busiest man uh, in the space. Mm. Um, so I do have to overcome that challenge that, you know, like, okay, I can't even mention the word India until I know that client is, you know, until I've already, you know, like know that he's going to be okay with it. Yeah. Um, and so if I'm coming at them, okay, I'm in Switzerland. Um, I can handle this project. And they're like, okay, that's great. 
Um, and then I have to break them into that fat because they might, you know, might get um, wary of it. But by that time, I found that they're okay working remotely. So is that your equivalent? If because you, you're effectively you're an entrepreneur, right? You, so you started yeah. this business. Yeah. Um, and is that your equivalent of your your early adopters finding the finding the the people who who are? I think that's right. That? Yes, I think that's right. Until I find the right model, um, so they're the early adapters. I uh, have some uh, some long term clients, and uh, some are just sort of project contract based, but they may come back. Um, so it is definitely a challenge. Um, but I think my business is is really big on referrals. So as long as I really really um, treat the clients very well and baby them and. Um, I think that on the back end, the referral business will be what ultimately, you know, gets me over that, that fear of, of um, people working with remote teams. Okay. I, mean, I, I mentioned that I've heard your podcast. I'm not sure whether, whether Paul's, Paul's heard the podcast, but you, one of the people that you interviewed was Seth Godin. And Seth is going to be keynoting the, the upcoming Scrum Gathering. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so... Tell Paul why he should listen to your podcast. Uh, for that show in particular, I found was was very interesting with Seth. Um, but I think um, for my podcast, I'm just trying to learn from people. So I'm trying to find in my industry, uh, my show is just basically saying, how did you get from the beginning to basically where you're at now? And most of the time I'm looking for people that, you know, I, I, we would consider successful. They're sort of making, uh, their business is making over 30 or, you know, 50,000 a month. And they've sort of passed that hump where they're, you know, in the early days where they're not really sure if they're going to make it. Uh, and, and the show is really just breaking down. How did you get from zero to 30 or whatever? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's the premise of the show. Yeah. So it's kind of to inspire people to, to try yeah. something out or to yeah exactly it's 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 sort of like are you thinking about um you know software are you a developer and you're working for someone do you have an idea and mm. the whole thing is is a journey to find to help these people get um you know to to you know sort of break free and be yeah. an entrepreneur and yeah so that's that's the um, that's why it's called the big break. What was what were yeah. the specific factors that contributed to your big break and got you to where you are? That's great. That's, yeah, I mean that's we do we 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 I, I personally take a lot of inspiration now from outside of my current paradigm of thinking. So in terms of trying to look at alternatives and look at abstractions about how is something someone else has done something in a different way, but and had some success with it. I think. From a human point of view, people need to hear success. They need to hear positive news, and they need to see yeah. that there is a um, people can succeed. Rather than it's very easy to get bogged down, especially in the, the work that Jeff and I do. It's very yeah. easy to get bogged down in what doesn't work and what you shouldn't do. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Inevitably, all problem solvers and and see, like to see the the barriers to, to the the fear in something. It's trying to look at the positives. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Who should who should the interview next, Paul? Who'd like, who do you like to hear about? I don't know. It's, um, yeah, yeah. So maybe someone from, I don't know how many people you've interviewed from kind of even outside the business space. So kind of 
maybe from the sports world or from the arts or from literature or from an author, from yeah. just from, you know, from, from kind of screenwriters or there was, oh, there's an interesting um, story I read about the other day. And my, my kids put me onto this about Kane Monroe. You heard about Kane Monroe? Uh-uh. So I think I sent you a link to this, Jeff. Jeff. Oh, yeah, the, kid, the kid with his arcade. Yeah, kid, uh, a nine-year-old boy um, made a, uh, a cardboard arcade in his dad's garage. Mm-hmm. So he recreated all these fantastic uh, kind of, you know, kind of lo-fi arcade machines with tickets. And he would, he'd, this nine-year-old would sit behind the, sit inside these boxes and, and feed through the tickets. But he, he did it in his summer holidays and he had like no, no customers and he's on the point of giving up and he's kind of despondent, this poor nine-year-old kid. And until the last day of the holidays when this, um, this one um, guy comes in and plays his arcade, one, he had one customer in like eight weeks. But this one customer was a filmmaker mm-hmm. and he, he made um, a short yeah, kind of eight-minute video. He said, I'm going to make a video of what you've done. Yeah, and he created again. Social media went viral on it. Yeah, yeah, and it created this flash mob idea, and I think like hundreds of people came and played Kane's arcade, and now there's a whole kind of um, global challenge that's emerged called the cardboard challenge, oh, really? where kids yeah. from all over the globe are making th- making games and making things out of cardboard and grabbing is inspiring kids and, and my yeah. my 10 year old they're studying people what they call influencers at school and, and that's yeah. the influence influences that i think are influential to me are different to what's influencing a 10 year old yeah 10 year old kid. So like youtubers and um and inventors that i've not heard of and this yeah. this, this this kid came and wrote from from the states was he's inspiring hundreds and thousands of kids around the globe that i had no cool. idea What's the short? I, I'm I'm curious. I'll I'll go see it after the after the show. We'll put, um, it, put it in the notes, but you it's yeah. a TED talk, right? I don't think it's TED. I don't think it's officially TED. He's just got. I think if you go to canesarcade.com, there's a couple okay. of videos on there. Okay. Um, and he's it's kind of grown this whole movement. It sounds like yeah. a really movement. It's a, movement, and it's, a school and, educational movement. Yeah. yeah, inspiring kids to create, inspiring kids to basically entrepreneurs as, at the age of nine, 10, that you can make something and you, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't need a lot of um, money to get these things going. But if you've got, if you, and the thing that rung, rung true to me from the, watching the videos was the resilience is this kids had no customers for eight weeks. No, no yeah. one, no one, everyone walked past his dad's garage and, and didn't go and go in, but one, you only need one customer. Yeah. And then that can, if it's the right customer, it can transform your product. It can yeah. transform your business idea. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Jordy, based on yeah. that. So when, with, with all these people that you've been speaking to about their big breaks, mm-hmm. what's, what's been the, the keys? I'll say keys because there might have been more than one. Is it genius? Is it um, creativity? Is it risk-taking? Is it resilience is it hard work what what are the keys that you've noticed across these people that have had their success? you know i was just thinking uh, when when paul was talking about uh, the resilience to to you know of that um of kane sitting in his dad's garage uh and walk watching you know people walk by and not getting any customers i would definitely say it's part resilience and, and hard work 
Um, I think those are the, I would say the two biggest factors. Um, uh, there was a guy that I just interviewed today, actually, who had some luck for sure. But but we say it luck, you know, the, there's no such thing as an overnight success. It's that sort of thing. He was working a full-time sales job uh, in California or something like that, selling medical equipment. And he started a side. He was working 60 hours with that. Mm-hmm. And then he started a side, um, a side hustle doing podcasting editing services. And it was two years of that. So he was adding on top of his 60 until he got to the point where he could, you know, basically leave that job. Mm. Um, And then he moved to France and uh, was able to have enough money. But I mean, that's, that is not uncommon with all of the people that I interview. It's just that little bit of, of, of resilience to get past that to the point where you could leave your full-time job. And, um, and, and then luckily he did, uh, find he he found a um, a business that was for sale. He acquired it cheaply, and he luckily the, it exploded with some um, proper programming. So you know there was a little combo of both, but but that um, you've used you've used the word luck quite a lot there, and my my I don't know whether went, on reflection whether you have a similar view to me. I I, I think the people that have been successful generally often attribute themselves what's happened down to luck but anybody outside what they've done will 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 see the hard work that went into it yeah the fact that they took that opportunity whereas other people would have let it go that's right yeah Um, just just a phrase just a phrase you make your own luck isn't it right the idea is positioning too right if you're not positioned to 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 end by by taking that risk uh putting yourself out there you wouldn't have come across that luck exactly yeah. yeah 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 So, so it's it's the it's the positioning, it's the hard work, it's the resilience, and and you, I was talking to my daughter last night. Actually, she said she came into me. She's seventeen. She's like, I really want a business, and she's trying loads of little things at the moment. So she's got her own. She, she designs stickers and and things, and they get printed on stuff. And um, she has all these different little things that she's trying, and she's like, I want a business. Uh, I said, Well, it's, it doesn't work that way, you know. You, yeah do something and if it works then you've got something you can run with but you do something and you you keep going until it works or you just the best thing to do just do something you enjoy and if it turns into a business then great um not not the best advice i've ever given but (laughs) the that idea of um do just keep doing just keep yeah yeah it's action action if it's not working then try something slightly different Mm, or maybe it's just you haven't got the customer yet you need to keep going until you get that customer and that that's for me i think the hardest hardest thing there's there's an element of do i give up and try something else or do i keep going and think that customer's just around the corner that's that's that hard tipping point yeah now isn't it that's right oh and i feel like i feel like we you are in a, a perfect position being a, someone that teaches scrum because you're really de-risking the project down by by doing you know sprints and and you could pass those that sort of methodology on to her so that she can think of and do small tests you know you first it's stickers and maybe it's on this platform uh, um, or maybe she pivots to t-shirts or something like that you know and I feel like there is something there in the resilience of mo- moving a project forward by mm-hmm. taking action but also taking small 
tests and sprinting and and that's what I've I've found has worked for me because I've had you know some big failures um, and it was more from going all out and saying you know like building something without any customer feedback and presenting something as a finished project only to find out that people didn't really want it uh, so having her start out by stickers I mean you can buy stickers for you know 50 pounds and 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 then make some small tests to see what works and then kind of expand the product line to whatever uh, you know ribbons and hair rib and then t-shirts or whatever interesting that you know, Paul's Paul mentioned that his who he's considers successful and influential very different to who his kids consider influential are there different strategies to get your big break now than there were 10 years ago do you think um that is a good question i think um uh i don't think there is really i think um i mean the strategies could could be different but it, it comes down to those main factors you know which is really um there's a are you willing to take risk are you willing to put in the, the work and uh, as i said most of the most of these guys are the ones that were working two jobs at one point and um you know they, they have the passion to to make that that project work and and get their big break paul mentioned influences and when i think of influences i i, I think of these I don't know what you'd call them apart from influence, but they're sort of social celebrities yeah. um, who, you know, have massive Instagram followers and, and yeah. followers and so on. And that's their product is them. Their product yeah. is the insight into their life. My kids watch Cole and Sav and all these different, and I, you know, mean nothing to me, but these people are incredibly successful. Influential to that. To they that get sponsored group. because of the amount of views they get. Yeah. My initial reaction, I think, was that's, I think it's probably that's not fair, if I'm honest, but it's probably that it's very different to, you know, how, how I see going about getting success in terms of hard work and taking risks, whereas all they're doing is creating videos and people are following them. But if I'm being, if I'm trying to take the other view, they're being, they're taking a massive risk inviting people yeah. into their lives. Yeah, they are. Um, and inviting the scrutiny and the online trolling that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the the amount of time it takes to to make videos, to produce them well, um, to publicize them, market them, and follow them up, and things that I, I think my initial reaction was overly harsh. It's it's like you say, it's the same strategy but different tactics, maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, and it's also that they they obviously want to do that. I I have no interest in doing <laughs> that, you know, and walking around and filming everything that I'm doing. But but it is work, you know. I mean, it's like okay. You wake up in the morning, what am I going to do today? I've got to produce some fabulous piece of content, right? Or nobody's going nobody's gonna to be interested in it. So um, it is still a form of work. So when they're put, putting together a personal brand, um, they're, they're still waking up in the morning. They've got to produce some kind of content that is interesting. And they also had that period of resilience where they were putting it out and nobody was interested and they are able to not quit and work through that. Mm. Stickability. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? You, I mean, you, you've been looking at people outside of the world that, that we operate in. Any common factors? Um, I think we've, we've, we've kind of covered a lot of it. 
I think there's an element of charisma maybe with it as alongside that you've yeah something sure. something unique about some a personality based creates intrigue creates um a bit of a difference that people can see that and that makes that attraction um and uh, there's another one on, on, on the one I'm thinking about now on Facebook, which is the Aussie man. You, you know Aussie man? Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's just an Australian guy who commentates on other people's content. But his, his uniqueness, his brand is his voice and a little bit about his, his appearance. But yeah. you think about where that's taken him now. And he's like interviewing Hollywood celebrities on the red carpet at the oscars and things like that it's just the is a youtuber then yeah it's kind of just kind of online content but he's taken it from something which is just not even him in in the videos but it was just um commentary on like safari videos but it's 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 amusing it's it's comical and it's very broad australian accent yeah and it's now exploded into and he's becoming kind of a a journalist, whatever you, you kind of, yeah. you put it into that kind of realm. So I think there's probably a charisma, a uniqueness to a personality that, that, that helps maybe with, um, if you've got a, an online presence or if you've got a, yeah. uh, an influential social media uh, angle, but, um, I think that helps. Yeah. I just on this, I think for me, I, I said to, I said to Freya, she don't don't think that you have to be a genius because very few successful entrepreneurs are actually geniuses we have that kind of hero idea of them that someone invents this yeah um and and they but most inventions aren't really inventions they're taking something that was there and making it better yeah uh, there's so and, and a lot of it is just solving a problem that that was just getting in their way yeah so they don't see it as genius invention it was just a, a a way of solving a problem fixing something uh, i think that getting past that mindset of well i'm not the kind of person that can do that i'm not i'm not the kind of entrepreneurial i don't have that trait yeah i don't think it's the case no it's definitely not i don't think and there's no uh i don't think it's there needs to be any amount of genius at all and for the most part um i think that if you are going into a space where somebody's already doing it, they've proven out the model. So you mm. just need to do it better yeah. um, and, and niche it out. So let's say somebody's um, selling t-shirts to, in your daughter's case, someone is selling t-shirts to, uh, you know, people that like black and, um, you know, are from 25 to 35, they're selling in that age. She can do something that, that you know, is just to her age group from a mindset of people that she can understand and, um, you know, like, you know, a certain thing and, you know, just niche it out, start by, you know, selling to, you know, a a very small market and then expand from there. And that, those are some of the most successful businesses that, that I've seen are the guys that start with a very small group and expand from there. Would you say, Geordie, that in your experience, is it better to focus fully 100% on that, on one idea or before you move on to pivot and move on to the next one? Or would you try and, you know, keep place multiple bets on multiple products or multiple ideas at the same time and see which ones 
take off? Well, I like to focus. Um, I, I, I think that focusing at least initially um, makes sure, make, make sure that you um, are able to give it your full attention and, and you know, complete it to, you know, at least 95%. Mm. Uh, you know, otherwise, if you're, if you're always thinking about the next thing, I think you'll just get distracted and you have a bunch of, uh, you know, you know, almost finished projects that never really had a chance because they're, they're not completed. So I, I think that, um, you know, in terms of software, which is mostly my world, if you get something, um, almost working, no one's going to like it, you know, cause it's buggy. And so, yeah. so you really do need to get focused, but that doesn't mean it needs to be full featured. It just no. needs to have a small subset of a core problem that you're trying to solve. Mm. Absolutely. I don't know what Seth Godin's going to talk about at the Scrum Gathering. I genuinely don't know whether there's a topic for his talk or not, but one thing that, that I remember from, from your interview with him um, that I think is relevant to the conversation here is that he was talking about the discipline that he gets into about writing. Yeah. Um, and, and just writing a certain number of words or a certain amount of time every day, even if it's rubbish, just yeah. get into a habit, a discipline of writing. Have I remembered that correctly? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to extrapolate that out and I'm going to say that it's not necessarily hard work because that was my initial thought. It's that yeah. discipline that you get into uh, of, of self-discipline yeah. I think is, is a big key factor in, in successful big break entrepreneurial yeah. success. Well, he's a very interesting guy and a perfect example of that. Um, but I think, um, it, I don't know if you follow his blog, but he, every day 365 days a year is posting something and it's usually like some sort of idea and they could be a paragraph or sometimes he'll come out with a you know a full essay you know 12 page essay or something um, most of the time it's just short little thoughts but um, meant, mostly meant to inspire um, but he I could see him being you know he's got an empire now you know he's written 17 best-selling books or probably more by now. And I'm sure he's running his own, you know, self-publishing schools and things like that. So I'm sure he has a lot to say about Scrum and he's probably a big proponent of it as well. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, our, um, we're, we're pretty much at the, at the end of our time box, really. We our, our episodes tend to be about 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. Long, Perfect. Cause that's usually how long it takes for Paul to drink his pint of cider. <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a nice long uh casual sipping <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. slow drinker he's very, a slow, <laughs> very slow drinker bad drinker <laughs> but we really appreciate you you joining us and sharing your experience there it's, yeah it's, yeah, it's great pleasure. really good fantastic yeah, would you would you like to give a bit of a shout out to your podcast uh and, and your organization yeah so i you can find me at one stop dev shop io um which I'm sure Jeff will put in the show notes and the podcast is the big break software podcast so if you if you uh, are a developer or have ever had uh any software product ideas, I basically uh, talk to successful founders and found out how they found their the problem that they're trying to solve and um we talk all things software. Cool. Well, we we regularly get questions about what other podcasts out there are there. So uh, I came, I stumbled across yours, liked it. And so this, uh, thank you for joining us and, and sharing that with us. Uh, with it's been my pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Jordy.